Okay, we're going to be in chapter 22 today, uh, page 95. We finally got through with chapter 21 last week. It took us a while, uh, but again, it was a good chapter. Now, uh, chapter 22 starts with this statement. It says, each step of faith we take concerning the facts of our position prepares us for the following one, since every succeeding step is established on all that precedes. Our faith grows by feeding on properly related scriptural truth. And he quotes from Isaiah 28 verse 10, For precept must be upon precept and line upon line. And then he quotes from the psalmist, the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. Now he starts out by saying, look, there is a progression to our development in the Christian life. And each step of faith uh, that we move forward with is built upon what has gone before it. And that's why uh, there is a... a uh, a systemat- uh, Stanford has a systematic approach to things that very much follows Paul. Paul in Romans. You know, there's a progression in Paul's argument in Romans. And, you know, he'll point out later on that a lot of people try to jump into Romans 8 without understanding the chapters that went before it. They jump into passages that describe what the Christian life has a potential to look like without really looking at what all is necessary uh, to enable that Christian life to look like that. And, you know, many, he talked about jumping into eight, many jump into chapter 12, ignoring everything that went before it. You know, many a message is preached on uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service. And they argue, you know, because God saved us, it's only reasonable we should get out there and serve Him. But Paul just spent 11 chapters telling us why is reasonable. Telling us how God took us from being hell-deserving sinners to being righteous sons, to being those who died to sin and are now alive unto God. To uh, those who are now His chosen vessels through which He is seeking to uh, reveal Himself to the world. You know, Paul has spent 11 chapters... Laying a foundation for what he, he enters into in chapters 12 through 16. And you can't skip over the first 11 chapters and pick up in 12. And yet many try to do it. You can't skip over the first 7 chapters of Romans and try to pick up in chapter 8. There's a progression to his argument. And that's why he says many hungry-hearted believers are struggling to get into the experience of Romans 8 when they're not yet resting in the facts of Romans 3. They feel guilty because they fall short of the heights of Ephesians and Colossians when they do not adequately know the peace of God in Romans 5. 
to say nothing of identification with Christ in Romans 6. The experience of Romans 7 is uh, well known, however. And Romans 7 is, the good I want to do, I can't do. The evil I don't want to do, I continually do. You know, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? He says, that one's pretty, uh, pretty much experienced by most. But he said, you know, a lot of people haven't looked at at a Roman, uh, understood Romans 3 and how God has, has freed us from the condemnation and, and 5, how He has justified us by faith and, and, you know, they skip over these things and they want to move into, you know, the description of the Spirit-filled life. There's a progression to this. And so, He says, it is absolutely necessary to allow the Holy Spirit to take us along in God's sequence of Scripture, as each plane of truth is foundational to the next. He says we've got to follow God's sequence. And, you know, it is interesting that the first epistle, you know, I, I believe God, you know, orchestrated the organization of the New Testament for us. That there, uh, even though the books were uh, are not recorded necessarily in chronological order, there is an order that God has designed in it, and the first epistle is Romans. It precedes all the others. Why? Because Romans lays down point upon point upon point, and it's the foundation that is laid in Romans that sets the stage, you know, for understanding what Paul's writing in his letters to the Corinthians and to the Galatians and to uh, the church at Ephesus and the, uh, the believers in Colossae. And you start trying to jump into Colossians or you start jumping into Ephesians and you haven't yet understood the foundational work Paul did in Romans, you're going to have difficulty understanding a lot of these things. Romans is foundational to it all. And he says, you know, if you skip over one... The firm footing for the next is lost. And, you know, we've been going along here. And, you know, we talked about the fact that positionally in Christ we are justified. Well, if we jump over justification, if we don't understand justification, we really aren't going to be able to understand assurance. Because assurance rests very heavily back on an understanding of justification. And if we don't understand justification and assurance, we're going to struggle in the area of understanding how we ha- can possibly be reconciled to God. And if we don't understand the basis of our reconciliation to God, we're going to struggle with acceptance. Each of these is important. And if you need to go back and read, yeah. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, because Romans pretty much lays out the path. 
Now, again, some of the others, you know, you get into uh, Ephesians and you get into Colossians. It, you know, provides a deeper understanding of some of the truths that are laid down in Romans. But you still need what was laid down in Romans. And if you haven't come to understand some of these things we've looked at before, I'd say go back and read the chapters and read them and read them and read them and read them and and try to come to a grasp of these truths. And so he says, you know, we can't skip over one. And he quotes from the psalmist, holding up, uh, hold up my uh, goings in thy path that my Foot slip not. We need firm footing, and that is going to be based on understanding these precepts that are built one upon another. Now, he says, once we are scripturally assured of our justification, reconciliation, and acceptance in the Lord Jesus, we are to feed on the truth of our completeness in Him. Here is yet another positional truth that I am complete. Already had it up here, but I'll put it here. We're complete in Him. Now, Paul at times, there's different Greek words that are translated completeness. Paul at one point talks about, you know, wanting to present people complete in uh, Christ. There he's using a term dealing with maturity. Here he's talking, uh, we're talking about provision. Paul says that in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and that we are complete in Him. And Paul's not the only one that uh, indicates this, and this is not the only place he does so. In Ephesians, he tells us that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. And uh, Peter writes that we have been given everything necessary for life and godliness. Everything we'll ever need for life... Everything we need, you know, to live a life that has regard for God has already been given to us. Now, again, going back here uh, to the, the chapter, he says, and he quotes from Colossians, he starts in Colossians 2, and he quotes from verse 6, 7, 9, and 10, he pulls excerpts out. But he says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, which was by faith, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding there in with thanksgiving. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. Everything that God is and has is embodied in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we have everything. The Christian life 
or the journey of the Christian life is not us gaining things that we didn't get at salvation. The journey of the Christian life is us coming to know and understand and by faith believe what we received at salvation. It's a journey of growing in our, in our knowledge and in our faith. I'm going to say knowledge and faith because as we learned in first, the first chapter of the book, faith is based upon fact. If you don't know the fact, you can't have the faith. If we don't know what we have in Christ, we can't believe it. We can't appropriate it. We can't begin to have it impact our daily life, our daily condition. When I accepted Christ, when I was five years old, I was given everything that I will ever need in Christ. Did I have a clue? No. It's been a journey. Do I still fully understand all that I have in Christ? No. It's still a journey. But I do understand a lot more than I did then. And I have learned to trust God in areas that He says are true that, you know, I haven't fully experienced yet, but I believe Him. And that's why, you know, He goes on, He says, All we will ever need for our Christian life now and forever is ready and waiting in the Lord Jesus. Complete and accessible. You know, one day when we leave this world behind, either through physical death or through the rapture, it's not going to be that God suddenly gives us everything we were lacking. No, we already have it. What we will understand at that point is what we have. And we will begin to fully appropriate it. It's all there. And it's accessible. But you know, as, uh, you know, the passage I've quoted a number of times that I think is very <clears throat> important here is that our life is hidden with Christ in God. And as I've said before, where something is hidden, that is where you will find it. Everything we need for life and godliness is in Christ. Everything we need for time and eternity is in Christ. And so where will we find it? In Christ. And that's why... You know, Paul's desire for himself he, it was, I want to know him. This is Paul. He already knew him better than you and me, I'm sure. But he said, I really want to know him. I want to know the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of the suffering. What? Being made conformable. Unto his death. 
See, the problem with focusing on our daily life, on our condition, is if we're focused there, we are not focused on Christ. And if we are not focused on Christ, we are not going to come to understand all that we are and have in Him. So everything we need, we have. It's waiting for us. In Christ. It's waiting to be found. It's waiting to be appropriated. He goes on to say that our condition is absolutely dependent on uh, our completed source. You know, if my daily life, if my daily condition is to change and grow and and look more and more Christ-like, it's going to flow from what I have positionally in Christ. The more I know Him as my life, not just as my Savior, but the more I know Him as my life, the more it's going to transform me in my daily walk. You know, I can try to change my walk to look more like I think a Christian should look like. And all it'll be is a fake. If my focus is on Christ, what He will produce will be very, very real. And what is one of the number one uh, accusations brought against Christians is that they're hypocrites. Why? Because they're trying to look a certain way. And people can spot it and see it's a fake. See, that was what was the problem with the WWJD movement. What would Jesus do? I try to think of what Jesus would do, and I'm going to try to do it. I always loved the thing where a guy was standing in line at store and there was a hat that said WWJD. And he said, what does that mean? He said, the guy said, it means, what would Jesus do? And he looks at the hat and he says, Jesus wouldn't pay $25 for that hat. (laughs) So, but, you know. There's this idea that if I can just think of what Christ would do and I'm going to do it like Him. No. If my life is intertwined with Christ, He will produce it from within. And it will be real. Yeah. We could never produce what Christ can in us. Yeah. So you can see why it would look it would just look shallow and yeah. 
And, you know, again, we're growing, so we're never perfect. But people can see if what we, if our lives reflect something real or not. And if it's real, it's going to show up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, not just on Sunday. See, the life of Christ doesn't just show up for church on Sunday. The life of Christ in us shows up every day. Even Saturday. Even Saturday. Well, well, that was the Sabbath we were just taking. (laughs) But he, he says, faith rests on our Father's scriptural testimony as to what He has already done for us and with us in Christ. Never on what He is doing for and with us in our present condition. Faith in the vine brings forth fruit in the branches. See, He says our faith is resting on what? What God has said He has done. His completed work in Christ. It's not based on what he's doing right now in our condition for us. It's based upon our provision in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is perfect. He said, you know, resting in our position in the Lord Jesus does have a direct effect on our condition. As I rest in the fact of who I am and what I have in Christ, as I come to see myself complete in Him, it will begin to change my daily life. It can't help but change it. The more I look at Him in the Scriptures, the more I come to know Him, as my source of everything, the more it changes me. I have a long ways to go. But I've seen God change me in a lot of ways over the years. And He continues to do it. But the changes haven't been brought by me focusing on areas of my life that I felt I needed to fix. The changes have come as I've looked more and more at Him. He says, when we know that our Father has already made us complete in Christ... We are able to trust Him in the midst of His development of that completeness in our spiritual condition. Now once I know, look, I already have it all in Christ. He said I can be patient as God works it into my daily life. I don't have to be, you know, frantic about, you know, I don't have this or I don't have that. It's there. You know, it's like somebody being left a huge inheritance. And the inheritance is going to come to them in 
phases. And if they know they are ultimately going to receive it, they don't have to be frantic right now that they don't yet have it. I can rest in the fact that I have everything necessary for life and godliness. And that the Holy Spirit is going to bring me along at the fastest pace I can handle. And learning to appropriate those things. And it's all mine. No matter how much I struggle, no no matter how much I fail, I can rest assured that one day when I stand in the presence of Christ, I will recognize everything I've already had and it will all be there. None of it will be lost. And sure, I mean, it's like with that example of an inheritance. We might like to have it all right now. You know, certainly there's time where we wish, you know, we had the full use of everything that's ours in Christ. But if God just handed it all to us at salvation, I don't think we'd appreciate it. It's the struggles that go along the way that help us appreciate those things. I mean, it's like someone who, again, giving an inheritance. If somebody at a very young age receives just millions of dollars just handed to them, are they going to really appreciate it? No. It's the ones that have to struggle for a while and then they receive provisions along the way that appreciate what they're getting. God wants us to take possession of all that is ours in Christ, but He wants us to know what it's worth. He wants us to value it. To... Be thankful for it when it comes to us. And he says, without the knowledge of this finished work of the Lord Jesus, our faith lacks the necessary confidence that He will make sure progress in our daily growth. And this is where a lot of Christians are. They don't know that They are complete in Christ. They don't know that His work is finished on their behalf. And so they lack confidence that, you know, there is going to be progress in their Christian life. They fear that if they don't do this or they don't do that or they do this and, or do that, that somehow, you know, it's going to Keep God from doing this for them or that for them. I know that I am complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, I can have full confidence that He's going to move me forward. That He's going to bring me closer and closer to fully utilizing that which is mine. That's why he says, you know, 
even... Well, I'll jump down. Let me read some in between here. Um, uh, he says, think for a moment of the positional truth of 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says what? If any man be in Christ, he is a new uh, creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In the Lord Jesus, again, in Christ, we are altogether new creation, born anew and complete in Him. He is the eternal source from which our condition, our daily life is developed. He says, uh, quoting from uh, Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified Version, he says, uh, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God has predestined or planned beforehand for us. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. We're new creations, but we, when it comes to our daily condition, we're God's handiwork. He has a plan for us. He has a path for us that He has planned. He is moving us along step by step, little by little. And there are certain things that He wants to teach us in this lifetime. You know, I've... You know, I've come to see that God has time and eternity to teach us what we are in Christ. He only has time to teach us what we are in ourselves. He only has time to teach us what the old man is like. He has all eternity to teach us what the new man is like. And that's why... In our Christian development, you know, in our daily condition, God is going to devote a lot of time to opening our eyes to what, you know, the old Adamic life is like. Why? So that we'll come to have a greater appreciation of what we now are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he says, even though the work is complete in Christ, there is nothing automatic about our experiencing it. Yes, I am complete in Christ, but I don't automatically live like someone who's complete. So what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is that of faith. I have got to believe God. Take God at His word. When God says, I'm complete, no matter how incomplete I feel, no matter how incomplete I look in my daily life, I am called upon to believe God. Oftentimes, in my prayer time in the morning, I thank God for the fact that I am complete in Christ. 
Because I believe I am. I'm a long way from it fully showing itself in my daily life. But I believe that I have everything I'll ever need. You know, when I was in Ireland, I did a message one time. I called it the salvation package. And I talked about the fact, you know, that again, at salvation, we get this wonderful gift that has everything we'll ever need. And yet many Christians take that gift and it's, as it were, they set it on a shelf. And they tell everybody they got this wonderful gift, but they never open it. And they go through life. You know, crying out to God, why don't you provide me with this? Or, God, why don't you help me with that? And all these prayers thrown up there. And one day they'll get to heaven and they'll open it up and they'll find that everything they ever needed was there. They just didn't take time to open it and see what they had. We've got to look into Scripture and see what we have. And believe it. And let God, little by little, make it an experiential reality. See, he says, we are not only born anew by faith, but we are to walk and grow by faith. Actually, he says, we are to live, walk, and grow. Yeah. I read it, dropped over the life, live part, but that's an important part of it. See, so many Christians, they, they'll say, yeah, I've been born again. They know Christ as their Savior, but they don't know Him as their life. Yes, we're to be born by faith. And we all have, hopefully. I think everybody in this room is a a Christian. We've all been born by faith. But now we're to live each day by faith. We're to walk step by step by faith. We are to grow, not by our self-efforts, but by faith in what God has done on our behalf. He says... You know, to enter intelligently and cooperatively into that which our Father has established for us in Christ. By faith we are to put on the new man, (coughs) which after God is created in righteousness and holiness. See, when he talks about, you know, walking by faith, here's what he explains it a little further. To enter intelligently and cooperatively into that which our Father has established for us in Christ. I need to intelligently know what God said. And I've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit as He seeks to work it into my life. You know, in the previous section of the book, we... Had the old man and the new man uh, posters up. And he says, you know, by faith, we're to put on the new man. We're to count ourselves dead to the old. We're to see that God, the way God dealt with the old man was to nail him to the cross. And we're to leave him there. <coughs> and we're to learn to 
walk in that newness of life. Rick, yes. What does the phrase after God mean in that sentence? <sighs> Put on uh, which God, uh, which after God is created. Huh? Put on the new man. After God is created in righteousness. and It's patterned after God. The new man is patterned after God. Yeah. When he says, which is after God, he's talking about being patterned after Him. Huh? Well, no, it's not in the script. It's not in the text. But, but when he says, when he talks about which, is after, which after God is created in he's talking about the way it's patterned. It is patterned after God. It probably would have been clearer if he had stuck patterned in there, but, but no, it's a good question. Uh, but yeah, the new man is patterned after God himself. Why? Because it's in Christ. And in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so the new man is patterned after him in righteousness and in holiness. The new man you know, does not have the potential for sin. The old man has that potential. The new man has the potential for righteousness. The new man has the potential for holiness. And as we put off the old and we put on the new, that new man will show forth the very character of Christ in our daily condition. And he says, this simply means we are to rest in our position in the Lord Jesus as our life. I am to rest in the fact that Christ is my life. And he says, we are to abide there. To live our lives consistently there because we have already been established or born there. He quotes from Colossians 3.10 and he says, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And Galatians 3.27 For as many of you who have been baptized spiritually by the Holy Spirit into Christ have put on Christ. And then he quotes from Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Here, repeatedly... Paul talks about what? Putting on Christ. He doesn't talk about mimicking Christ, trying to act like Christ. He says, put on Christ. Make Him your life. Make Him the source that He truly is. And he goes on to explain, the Lord Jesus is put on as we abide by Him in faith. Day by day by day, I am to put my faith in the fact that I am in Christ. 
that is the way God sees me, that is the way I need to see myself. Yet sadly, all too often, we see ourselves based on our condition. Yeah. And yet there is so much freedom here. Yeah. We walk in Christ. I mean, even in the things of wisdom for how we live, what do we do in this situation? How do I handle this? How will I face this? To be able to walk as in Christ has the very good answer. Yeah. It's there. And it's going to be right whatever He leads us to do. Then it will be the right thing. And that's been so encouraging to me all the more as I have aged very quickly and feel it so much. But knowing His faithfulness, watching Him do what I cannot do, mm. letting Him speak His truth when I have struggles in my mind to do so and yet He enables so many ways that I thought I'm so glad to have had some years to get to know Him as I face these later years when I feel so frail and so unable. But He is able. He is faithful. And He is wise. And it is all there for us just as much as when we're 20 or 30. The provision is there even when we're 70. And what a blessed Okay, I'm going to try to get through this paragraph because it brings us to a good breaking point. So it might be a couple minutes longer here. But he says, you know, our risen Lord is the full provision for our Christian life and service. Everything I need for life and service is found in Christ. He says the cross is the only provision for the self-life. God is not trying to fix your self-life. He's not trying to fix the old man. He said, I nailed it to the cross. Leave it there. It's irreparable. I don't want it. As I said before, I hear all the time in Christian circles, God wants you to give your life to Him. No, He doesn't. It stinks. He wants you to embrace His life. He said, what you were in Adam, I nailed it to the cross. Leave it there. Quit dragging that ugly thing down. He says, as we confidently rest in the Lord Jesus, the Spirit gives us the things of Christ by means of growth. Little by little, as we rest, you know, confidently in the Lord, as my source, little by little, the Spirit takes what is mine in Christ and He works it into my daily condition, causing me to grow. And so He says, as a result, our condition begins to reflect what we already are in position. Little by little, my daily life begins to look more and more like what I am in Christ. And what people see is real. And he said, by faith we abide and live in him. By faith his life is developed and manifested in us. And he quotes from Galatians 4.19, My little children in whom I travail until, uh, uh, travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Our responsibility is faith. 
to believe God that we are in Christ and that in Christ we are justified, we are assured, we are reconciled, we are accepted, we are complete. And to live our lives seeing ourselves as He sees us in Christ. Okay, we're out of time and this is a good breaking point because next he enters into the issue of security and we'll get into that next week. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we do thank you now for our completeness in Christ. Lord, I know we we don't look like we're complete. We don't feel like we're complete. But Lord, we're not to walk by sight. We're to walk by faith. And faith is to be based on the facts of what you have said. And you tell us that that in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and that we are complete in Him. May we take you at your word and may we trust your Holy Spirit to little by little show that completeness, manifest that completeness in our daily lives. For it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.